Hello, welcome back to another episode of the Leading Yourself podcast. I am so excited about today's episode and I know that I say that often, but today I'm especially excited and honored at the same time because I have Henry Evans, the author of the best-selling book, Winning with Accountability, the Language of High-Performing Organizations, joining me to talk about what else? Accountability. When I look at people that I admire, when I look at people that I want to learn from, think leaders that have inspired me, leaders that I look up to, one of the things that they all shared in common is accountability. I believe that accountability is one of those key skills that we all need to have in order to increase our productivity, to increase our impact, to be able to become better leaders. So I'm super honored that Henry accepted to join me in this conversation that we're going to have about the topic of accountability. And we'll pull and talk about some of the things that he touches in his book. And he's going to reference a lot of different resources that I will be linking in the notes of this podcast. So please go to the description of this podcast and click on the link there because you'll find a blog post where I summarize my conversation with Henry, plus some of additional takeaways from me reading the book. And I include the links to all the resources that Henry is going to share with us today in this conversation. So with no further ado, Let's dig in into today's episode. Enjoy. Welcome to the Leading Yourself podcast. This is your host, Carolina de Arriba. I'm an HR professional, health and fitness coach, wife, mom, and above all things, a goal getter. In this podcast, we're going to be digging into all things leadership, professional and career development, habits, and relationships. This is a podcast for those who want to become the best version of themselves. Those who have big dreams and are willing to embrace the journey and put in the work to achieve them. My goal is to share with you the tools, tips, and tricks to help you in your journey. So let's dig in into today's episode. First of all, I really, really appreciate that you so quickly accepted and made the time to do this recording it means the world to me i really really appreciate it and accountability is one of those topics that has been in on my list of topics to cover in my podcast for a long time and when i think about accountability the first person that comes to my mind is you um so i really appreciate that um you're taking the time to have this discussion with me Catalina, thank you. It 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 really is an honor. I mean, I've told you that this a thousand times, but I'll be I'll be interviewing another person like you that the the minute I met him um, seven or eight years ago, I knew that he was going to be very successful. And I don't just mean in business metrics. I mean as a leader, he would be a good leader. And I'll be interviewing him uh, about how he transformed his eight thousand person organization uh, over the last six weeks, but it, it was the same thing. He was one person in a big room, but he was the one I saw. 
And so um, it's, it's an honor for, for me. And yeah, we've somehow, we've never been busier than we are now. Um, but making the time was, was a no brainer for Carolina. Thank you. I really appreciate that. So maybe we can start by with you introducing yourself. I don't know if everyone in my audience know about you, have heard about your book before. So I think it will be a great starting point. If you can share a little bit about yourself, about your company, Dynamic Results, and about your book, Winning with Accountability. Catalina, I'm, I'm happy to, and I'm also re really happy to be on your, on your podcast. I enjoy it regularly. Um, we are a boutique consulting firm. I started the, the firm in 2002, and we used to just be a small group of three or four people in Dallas, Texas. We now have a global team serving global companies. We, we predominantly help companies outperform their competition and gain market share. And we do that by helping them improve their, their culture, attracting and retaining top talent. And we do that through our accountability training, which is based on the book you, you just asked me about, our emotional safety training, which is based on a different book called Step Up. And uh, the accountability book, Winning with Accountability, we, did, we never expected would become a bestseller. But it has, and it is a short book. It's about a 75-minute read for most people. And it teaches about four of the 10 or 12 tools we have for improving the accountability level of any individual or organization. Great. I, I really enjoy the book. Um, I actually got to introduce to the book through a training which you facilitated and that's how we met. And it, it has been such a great um, addition to my toolbox because it's so simple, it's so easy to understand, but it's so practical and so applicable. Like it's not one of those books that you read and you, know, you end the book and you're like, oh, this was interesting. There were good concepts. Um, I motivated, but this book was a book that Actually, I have in my desk and once in a while I go back and look at things that I have highlighted because it's full of tools that you can apply in your everyday. Um, before I jump into specifics about some of those tools, I think what I like to start with is the word accountability because we know that typically it has a very negative connotation when we use the word in, in any context. But I think I personally changed my perspective on the word as a result of reading your book and attending your training. Maybe can you share from your point of view, what, what is accountability and why is not negative, but rather a positive word that we should and we need to use more regularly. Sure. Well, well, first of all, I think the reason why a lot of people think of accountability as a negative or a punitive concept is because that's exactly what it is in most organizations. And I would say that one way we can measure whether an organization is high performing or low performing is by measuring whether or not they perceive and live accountability as a positive or a punitive concept. Um, we've, 
we did PhD research for five years on, on high-performing leaders and organizations. But in my opinion, a lot of research winds up telling us what we already knew. And that's that if you think about accountability as who to blame or who to punish after a relationship or a project has gone wrong. And unfortunately, that's how we find it is thought of and how it actually is in most org organizations. We would call that a low-performing organization. In a high-performing organization, accountability is a very positive thing. And it means that in those environments, they just talk about problems faster than their competitors do. They resolve those problems in a collaborative way. They, they innovate in a collaborative way. And, and they do all of this without laying blame. And even when mistakes happen, I'm not trying to say that high-performing organizations don't make mistakes. I am saying that when they make them, they view those more as learnings than and opportunities for process improvement or additional training rather than opportunities to blame or ridicule people. Yeah, I think that is a great point. Um, you know, I think it all starts with every individual, right? If, if you are accountable, basically, for me, that means you're taking ownership for your own actions and the consequences of your actions, right? And if everyone behaves in that way, that definitely adds up to a high-performance culture, um, no matter in what team you're talking about, right? So um, I really enjoy that part in the book and the way that you define accountability because it really puts that positive spin to it in a way that it's something to aim to, something that we should have, uh, the way that we need to behave and also communicate. There was a lot of in your book, you talk a lot about the language of failure and the language of accountability. And it was very eye-opening for me how the way we communicate, the way we write an email, the way we set deadlines has such a big impact in driving that accountability. Can you talk a little bit about what you mean by the language of failure and the language of accountability? Sure. So, so language is an important word here. And um, like right now we have two people talking who have two different countries of origin and, and my, my original language, uh, my, my first language is English. And I know from knowing you, I remember that day we, we met in that training so many year, year, years ago uh, is Spanish. So the word accountability does not exist in the Spanish or Portuguese languages. And the significance of that is that in those languages, if the word does not exist, that means that a whole construct, a whole concept around it may not exist. And I know from working with our client partners in Mexico and in uh, Brazil and in Portugal, um, we know from working in Spain, I mean, we've, we've delivered this method in, in more than 80 countries. If the word does not exist, generally timelines and deadlines are less important and that's because they're not part of the culture. They're not part of the fabric of the language. Well, it's not just true for, for different spoken languages. We think accountability language is a language unto itself. So I could probably get by if I moved to Mexico without speaking Spanish, if I had never learned it. I've got Google Translate. There are enough tourists, well, maybe not right now during a pandemic, but normally there are enough tourists or bilingual people around, at least in hotels, that I can survive. 
but I can never fully appreciate the culture of Mexico. I can never fully become a part of it. I, I can never enjoy all that it has to offer unless I learn Spanish. And accountability language, specific language, is the language of high-performing organizations. There is a way that they speak, the individuals and the teams, when they're making and requesting commitments that leads directly to better business results and relationships. Low-performing organizations speak in a less clear and a more ambiguous way, and that leads to more relationship and project failure. Have I answered your question? Yeah, absolutely. Um... Can you maybe give an example of some words that are part of that glossary of failure versus accountability? Like, um, you know, that was very eye-opening for me because in concept, I get it. I read it, I get it. But once I got to reread some of the emails that I have written in the past, which is one of the exercises that you encourage in, in your trainings and in your e-school that we'll talk about later, Um, it was very eye-opening to me how I was not leveraging my, the way I was writing and the words that I was using to really create accountability for myself, but also for others. Because a lot of times that was driving in part my frustration why other people were not being accountable for things that I was maybe delegating or asking them to do or support me with. And it wasn't their fault. It was mine because I wasn't using the language of accountability in a way that I was setting those clear expectations. So can you elaborate a little bit more on that and maybe give an example of how that would look like? Yeah, and and I don't want to uh, embarrass you and I don't, I don't want to pour praise onto my podcast host, but but I do want to be transparent. Um, you, I, one of the reasons why I noticed you in that training and why I've noticed other what I call change agents, the people that are really going to impact change in their organizations over the years, is that they have a, a special balance in their personality that I believe you have. And it's a combination of high talent. I mean, we have to have talent and ability in business with humility. And I remember meeting you that you had, you were kind of like a quiet storm. You had a lot of power but you didn't use it in a bad way. You are still a, you brought humanity. You, you were, you were nice to interact with. So the answer to your question is going to be easy for some of our audience. The, the people that are like you, who have a genuine interest in other people who want to build strong relationships are going to think this is an easy answer. But the people who just want to drive business results and don't care how, how people feel, or the people who think that everyone around them should know what they mean when they delegate something, and they shouldn't have to explain it, they might struggle with this answer. And I'm okay with their struggle. Uh, in fact, if somebody struggles with this answer, I hope they're working for our clients' competitors and not for our clients. But the example is this. If I come to you and I say, Catalina, that report you gave me last week uh, was inadequate. And when I went in front of the board, uh, I could not answer some of their clarifying questions you need to do a better job next week. That is a, while my story might be true, that language I just used is completely unaccountable. I said, do a better job. Now you don't know what that means to me. If you knew what a better job meant, you would have done it better the first time. If I think I'm too busy to take the time and sit down and try and 
maybe not even delegate and explain, but collaborate with you and leveraging both of our thinking, both of our wisdom, both of our experience, do a better job of clarifying what I mean by better job in a visual way. So maybe the outcome is, I say, Catalina, you're right. I was asking for a spreadsheet, but your idea that a board of directors won't give me time to look through a spreadsheet and they're going to want a picture is a great idea. Could you give me a, a three-slide PowerPoint deck that has pictures in it to illustrate what I'm showing them? Now you and I both have a clear visual expectation of the outcome, and so the outcome and our relationship will be better when your work is done. That is a great example. Um, as I said, I, I remember when I took the training, after the training, one of my key takeaways was go back and look for some of the most recent emails that I had sent out and kind of self-evaluate myself on did I use a language of accountability and since then I'm so much more mindful when I'm writing an email on how am I setting expectations how am I being clear about deadlines um, you know working on a global company there's so many time zones a lot of times we just assume people know exactly what we mean if we say let's meet at 5 p.m. 5 p.m. might mean completely different things for different people, depending where you are in the world. And, you know, for that was one of the things that I took away. And at first sounded like, okay, this is overdoing it. People is going to make fun of how specific to be on an email. Um, but it's amazing how big of a difference it makes when you look into those little details and really use the language of accountability. Catalina, it's so funny because, you know, I write books on this stuff and I give keynotes on this stuff and, and, and we have all these trainings. Our, our company's expanded way beyond the, the trainings now, but I still make the same mistakes myself. So the very language I say all high-performing leaders should use. I use most of the time. Like you, I'm, I'm much more mindful. But if I'm in a hurry, if I'm if uh, airplane doors are closing or I'm running late for a meeting, sometimes I leave that language out. And, and what you may remember is that we introduce these concepts as what we call intellectually simple and behaviorally complex. And you also may recall that in that training, when we deliver the first four foundational elements of accountability, most people kind of roll their eyes if they're high performing and they say, well, this is, this is just too easy. But then if you remember, you fail when we test you to see how you're actually doing it very early in, in the training and the whole room fails. I'm like, okay, I do understand it, but I just discovered that I'm not doing it. And what I learned in martial arts as a competitor is that if you're in a fight or a match, it doesn't matter what you know. It only matters what you do with what you know. So that's what we try to do with this training. We, we're, not, we're not coming off a mountaintop with ideas that we think are the best ideas in the world, but we have tried to make the most effective ideas very simple and accessible so that you burn your calories applying them and you don't burn your calories trying to learn them. So true. So many times... Um... You know, I, I do believe that everything in the book is common sense, but you organize it in a way that it makes it easy to move from common sense to common practice um, by 
providing the tools to allow that, right? To introduce those sometimes simple changes, um, simple from an intellectual standpoint, as you said, but that are hard to really incorporate on a consistent basis. Um, you touch on some of this, but in your book and in your training, you talk about the accountability puzzle, uh, those four pieces that um, help create an accountable both dialogue and action. Can you maybe share with us what is this accountability puzzle about and how someone, whether they're working on an organization or as an individual, can apply some of this to increase accountability? Uh, of course. So, so yeah, our accountability toolkit has expanded a lot since you went through the training. Right now we have a special subsection of the accountability method called the crisis leadership toolkit. And a lot of organizations are using that to help manage their way through the current uh, crisis. But all of our tools are built on a foundation of these four simple elements. And it's that if I'm an accountable communicator, and by the way, I may not be the boss. Let's say that you're my VP of HR and I'm a new hire and I'm three levels down, but I'm in a meeting with you and you're having a bad day. Maybe maybe you're recovering from a cold or you had a bad night's sleep. And normally you're the you're a very accountable leader with very accountable language. But today you're not. What I'm responsible for doing as your partner in the business is making sure that by the time our interaction is over, we have these four elements. So as a leader, should you offer them? Yes. As a subordinate of yours, should, should, should I be requesting them if I'm not getting them? Yes. But we're both responsible for making sure before we leave that interaction that they're, they're present. The first is that clear expectation we already talked about. So that's a clear visual. Okay, you want a three-slide PowerPoint deck that is half an image and maybe it doesn't have more than 10 to 12 words. Got it. And then we talk about what is a reasonable time frame to deliver that? And that's including a time zone. So we call that specific date and time. Then we do something that's, that we our global clients find to be very challenging. We say that there's only one owner for each measurable outcome. So each accountable action should have a, a metric. And only one human being should be in charge of it. And where global or big companies struggle here is we say, you can't use the name of a region or a function or a department, you can't say HR, marketing, North America, Eastern Europe, you have to say Julio. And that means we all know who to send our questions or suggestions to. And the last piece is simple change management. We, we think about who are the stakeholders, who are the people that do need to know about this work? And then we share it with those people. And it's also making sure that in order to, to be accountable to your point, if we have a to-do list that's only ours, we're not accountable for any, anything on it because if we don't do those things, nobody knows we didn't do them. But if we share our to-do list with other people, say, here's what I'll do when I'll do it, I own it and I'm letting you, you know, our research shows we're twice as likely to do that thing if a second person knows about it. I think that is, that is so important because a lot of times, um, you know, I think a lot of us, and it isn't human nature, we procrastinate. You have an, uh, something to do and you keep postponing it and postponing it and rearranging priorities um, because the truth is we have so, uh, typically our task lists are three miles long. 
And for everything that you cross off, there are multiple things that get added. And I think that last piece that you mentioned, sharing that commitment with someone else, at least for me personally, but maybe because I'm a type A personality I'm, and a goal-oriented person, and for me, um, you know, fulfilling the commitments that I make to others is is it's very top in my list of, of values, right? But for me, being sharing something that I'm going to do with someone and by when I'm going to do it, it just combats that procrastination in some way. And I do this also with personal pro uh, projects or things that I'm intending to do when I have an idea about starting a project or doing something. One of the things that I do is share it publicly. Because I know that at that point, there's no turnaround. I'm going to deliver what I said I was going to deliver. Um, and when you just keep it to yourself, it's always easy to find excuses or justifications on why you didn't do something. So, so well said. You, you, could, be, you could be teaching one of our trainings. In, in the United States, we have this expression um, called on the hook. And it means that you have a feeling that you have to do something. And that feeling is generated when we share our commitment with a second person. So that can be done by email, through Teams, through Gmail, Slack, it, it, texting. But once we let another person know we're gonna do something, most of us take that something much more seriously. And you may remember from, from the training, we say if you intend to take a child to a movie on Saturday, you might do it. But if you look that child in the eye and tell them you're going to take them to a movie on Saturday, you're doing it because that kid is going to make your life miserable if you don't. So you have to you have to follow through and you feel more committed to after sharing. One other topic that I like to talk about is this concept of finding an accountability partner. This is one of the tools that you share in your book. And I know it's a practice that is more and more frequently used in trainings and um, in other types of events and practices where finding someone that can partner with you and help you accountable helps you to show up for your commitments. And many times what I find out is that even though it's very frequently used, and I attend a lot of trainings, that at the end of every training, they typically ask you to find an accountability partner that will help you apply what you learn in the training. And what happens is that that first day, there's a lot of energy and enthusiasm, but that relationship kind of fades out as time goes by. And I think that the reason for that is because that was not the right person to be your accountability partner. So could you share some tips on what are the things that we should look for when choosing the right accountability partner? Sure. So, um, Catalina, your listeners are, are, are busy people. I mean, we're, we're processing about 30 times more information per day than people were in the workforce 30 days ago. So for any of the answers I'm giving you, because we're only talking about some of the, the tools in the accountability method, we have little two and three minute videos that also go a little deeper uh, on the answers I'm giving. So for instance, here we have one called three rules for choosing your accountability partner and, and getting better business results, but there are three basic rules. Um, 
the 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 first is that this is not your boss and it's not your direct report so we go we probably don't have time now to talk about why but it's somebody at the peer level or it's somebody outside of the organization the the second rule is that it's someone who cares about your success so let's say that you and i are competing for the same job and we are friends and we get along great during the time we're competing for the same job we should not be accountability partners um because in that situation, we each care about, about our own success more than our friends. And then third, it's a person who's not cruel, but they're also not too nice, meaning that they are assertive enough, they care enough to tell us when they think we've missed an opportunity. And they also give us positive feedback when we've seized an opportunity. So um, on, on dynamicresults.com, we have a section uh, called uh, blog and news. And if you look at our blog, you can find this and others if you want more detail. Thank you. And talking about that, um, we're coming to the end of the time. Time flies by when you're having fun. But I want to <laughs> give everyone the opportunity to know how to find um, your company, how to find some of these resources that you've mentioned. I for sure will make sure that I put a link in the description of this podcast episode to um, dynamic results and to the book specifically uh, winning with accountability the secret language for high performance organizations because this has been the core of our discussion today but i know that you also um, have many other tools outside of this as you mentioned you even have an e-school that um you offer around this that is very practical. So how could someone find you? How can people find dynamic results and some of the tools and some of the other books that, that you have written? Uh, so probably the, the hub for us internationally is dynamicresults.com. That's where our training and consulting uh, clients and also MBA schools, where we teach keynotes, that's where people find us. Uh, the the blogs, if you're already on dynamicresults.com, um, we have that blog and news section, and there's a section called Insights from Our Experts. The e-schools are actually a learning journey, so um, we have tens of thousands of people who have gone through them. There's an accountability e-school. It's usually supplemented by a couple of webinars, um, and that's an interactive platform. And we were really honored. We won the Brandon Hall Award for Excellence in Learning in 2018 for this eSchool. But it's worth mentioning right now that since the global pandemic started, we made many versions of both the accountability eSchool and the emotional safety eSchool absolutely free with no commitment for people, knowing that they might be trapped at home. So if you go to dynamicresults.com, click on eSchool, there's something called the accountability challenge and there's something called the emotional safety challenge. And those are not going to take you through the entire training, but they will give you applicable skills with a very small time investment. And we're doing that so that people um, improve while they're sheltering in place at home. Awesome. Thank you very much, Henry. I think everyone is going to appreciate those free resources. I think it's totally worth it to try them out. I personally have done at least the accountability school and absolutely loved it. It's again, it has so many practical examples and exercises and self-reflection that will really help you 
assimilate all the concepts, but also take them to a practical level. So really recommend everyone to take advantage of those free e-schools. Thank you very much, Henry, for sharing. And thank you so much again, Henry, for, for jumping in and joining me today. It, I'm super honored that um, you join me. Thank you very much for all your insights. As I said, when I was um, planning the topics for my podcast, and I have a running list of topics all related either with leadership or personal growth or development, accountability has been in the list from the very beginning. And when I think about accountability, I think about you. So I'm really honored that you joined me today. Really, really appreciate that. And I'm, I'm looking forward to talk to you soon. Carolina, thank you for all the kind words you, you shared with me during this podcast. And uh, it was an honor to, to be with you. And I look forward to the next time we speak. Thank you again. Henry, and thank to all of you for listening all the way through the end of this episode. I hope that you enjoyed this conversation as much as I did. Don't forget to look for that link in the description of this episode to get um, access to all the resources that Henry mentioned in this conversation today, including access to that free e-school for both accountability and emotional safety. And with that, if you like today's episode, I'm going to ask you to head to Apple Podcasts and leave me a review. And also today, especially today, because this message is so powerful, I want to ask you to share this episode with a friend and in your social media. I now have an Instagram account. You can find me as Leading Yourself. And if you share in Instagram, this um, episode, you can take a screenshot, share it in your stories and tag me. I will very much appreciate that. And who knows, maybe I'll have some giveaways for anyone who shares today's episode. Remember to tag me in whatever social network that you're sharing, and I will pick a winner and send you a little something. Okay, with that, I hope you have an amazing day and I'll talk to you again on another episode of the Leading Yourself podcast.